Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The attitudes expressed are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised, there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Welcome back. It's Recovery Sort Of. I am Jason, a guy whose mind is definitely just beginning. And I'm Billy. I'm a person in long-term recovery. I'm Caroline. I'm also a person in long-term recovery. My name's Dave. I'm in long-term recovery, and I'm also a Zen Buddhist priest. I just want to be like that guy from The Simpsons, the the Troy McClure. Like, hi, I'm Troy McClure. We've had Dave on such episodes such as... <laughs> I don't know why. It just makes me want to do that. Uh, so, yeah, we have Dave on. Dave's been here before. We talked about spiritual bypassing and I think meditation the first time. Yeah. First time, yeah. It was kind of zen and recovery. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's it's been cool. And if you enjoy this episode, those are two good other ones to check out. Um, but today we're going to talk about beginner's mind. And Dave's going to gonna teach us about it. I... I don't want to get into this ahead of time, but like you messaged me last night and you were like, oh my God, I thought we were recording later. It's yeah. earlier. And <laughs> I had just, I just double checked the email. Right. And I was thinking I'm like a double and triple checker too. Uh, me too. I think it's actually more like flavors of OCD and anxiety, but I like to give it credit and I'm like, oh no, it's, <laughs> it's beginner's mind. It's me pretending I don't already know exactly what time I need to show up. So I was, I don't know. I was like, is that beginner's mind for Dave or is that anxiety as well? It's amazing how people in recovery can take any concept and <laughs> twist it to suit whatever's going on at that time. Great. <laughs> you know? My wife says that all the time. She says, I can take spiritual <laughs> principles and use them to justify anything that oh, I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> beginner's mind yeah yeah so, tell us yeah. all about it <laughs> so if we were really going to do a beginner's mind we'd probably all just sit here and that would be it Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know to talk about beginner's mind is going to take some of the beginner's mind out of it um i guess the best place in my mind to start would be a quote by suzuki roshi um who's a very well-known zen master from japan who was one of the earliest kind of uh, founders of American Zen, if you could say that. Um, he came over from Japan, 60s, uh, that, that time frame up, up through the 70s. He was here in 80s and, and so on. And he um, he's just really a special individual, although he'd say he's not. Um, but he's got a book, which is a collection of his talks, actually, called Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. Um and so as soon as somebody says beginner's mind, I mean, obviously it goes to Suzuki Roshi, but he's got this fantastic quote that kind of just really speaks to it. So he said that in the beginner's mind, the possibilities are many in the experts, the possibilities are few. Mm. Um, and I love that quote. It kind of keeps me, you know, from thinking that I know everything, you know, thinking that I have to know everything thinking that I have to have some control or mastery over everything, something, whatever it is. Now that doesn't mean that that it's just easy, right? It's not easy at all. Um, but you know, it's something I noticed in recovery as well. One of my first spiritual teachers is what I would call him. His name was Woody Curry and he, he's worth looking up on YouTube. He's got a, like a series of nine talks, just real kind of like lo-fi 
him talking to recovering addicts. He started a program called Baltimore Station down in Baltimore for veterans, and it's like a pretty hardcore program. Anyway, he used to, in his program, um, one of the biggest things he would drill through people's minds is like, I don't know. If you came into Woody and you say, well, I know, he'd stop you right there. He was, wait, you know, what, what do you know? <laughs> the stuff you know got you here. You know, it got you in this mess in the first place. So, so the worst thing you could say is, I think, oh, you think now, like, what do, what do you think? <laughs> Your best thinking got you here, you know, mm-hmm. all that, you know, kind of beginner recovery stuff that, you know, hopefully we can kind of keep going through our, our lives. Um, but really it, it, I see it in recovery a lot and I see it definitely in, in Zen a lot is this idea of an, I don't know mind. If you approach something with a bunch of preconceived notions and, you know, relying on all your individual limited experience coming up to anything, you're really limiting it. You know, you, you have this expert attitude and that expert attitude limits possibilities right there. I mean, it literally does. You only see a few things where if you can come up to a situation, no matter how big or how small with an, I don't know mind, um, a beginner's mind, then you can really be open to what it is, empty yourself out as best you can, you know, take your time with it a little bit and, you know, bring yourself back into it, um, you know, appropriately, hopefully in in a useful way rather than just leading with ego. There is actually this organization called the Zen Peacemakers Association. Zen Peacemakers is what I call it. I don't know if it's association or not. Uh, (laughs) Zen Peacemakers. And it was developed by uh, a man um, named Bernie Glassman, uh, Tatsugan Roshi. And it's got three tenets, which I really think speaks to, um, I really think speaks to beginner's mind. And it was basically three tenets to live by. You know, first one is don't know. And these are in order for a reason. So don't know bearing witness and then action. So I come to any situation with a don't know mind. And then I, it gives me the chance to bear witness to it, really bear witness to it. And then I can take appropriate action. He would say oftentimes loving action. Um, but I don't know. Sometimes loving action doesn't feel appropriate <laughs> to me. I'm just gonna be honest with you. Uh, yeah. So that's a lot of words about something that you know, hopefully doesn't have too many words associated with it. Right, right. <laughs> when I wonder, my wife and I were talking the other night about this idea of like a pink cloud that people have when they first come into recovery. And so when you started talking about beginner mind, like part of our conversation, at least for me, was when I first got into recovery, all of a sudden it felt like life had all these possibilities and all this openness and all these, you know, new realities that I couldn't see before, you know, and, and of course I described it as a naive way because I said I had no idea that, you know, with all those responsibilities comes all the responsibility (laughs) when you buy a house and get a career and have a family and raise kids, you know, and now that I know all that, it's almost overwhelming sometimes, but in that early stages, like all that stuff was wonderful and beautiful and amazing and, and, you know, what, I attributed to that pink cloud was probably some of that beginner mind idea that there's unlimited possibilities in the world. <laughs> kind of forced to go 
with the principles and you're so open and you pick a sponsor and you submit, you surrender, you know, to a sponsor, maybe not the per the human themselves, but you surrender to their, you know, take on the principles and how they're going to guide you. And, yeah. And there's a lot of freedom in that, <laughs> a lot of freedom from responsibility in that too. I'm going to do this. Do you think that's a good idea? Is that following with this principle, you know, uh, honesty, open-mindedness? I guess not. Tell me what to do. <laughs> and I had a, my, my first sponsor had told me, like, he said, anytime you start thinking or find yourself up in your head, picture it as like those, uh, one of those like crossroad construction signs with the flashing yellow lights that like you're in a construction zone right now. You need to get out of there and go seek <laughs> help outside of yourself. And so that always helped me a lot early in recovery. So when this topic was presented, I mean, my, my first thought was, uh, I know something about this. I've heard of this before. So there was a little excitement. I was like, oh, cool. I'll have something to say. Right. I, I kind of know a little bit about this idea. And honestly, part of that res- excitement is like, I don't have to do any research. I don't have to spend my time. I can just show up on Sunday, which is great. And and honestly, Dave, like if you were like, I want to come on and teach you guys how to harvest cashews or something. I'd be like, what the fuck ever? We like Dave. So just come on. Right. We'll, we'll talk about it. Um, Keep that in mind. Right. But, but a couple of of like days later i was thinking more about it i'm like there really isn't a ton to say about beginner's mind specifically like the concept once you get it is pretty basic and and there's not a whole lot you can say beyond that but i was thinking maybe we could talk through how this shows up in the world in different scenarios for people to see it more clearly because i think that's what maybe recovery in general and, and even you know mental health work more specifically it's it's really about these like concepts that we can understand but we still don't see them on a daily basis you know what i mean like even in i'm thinking in therapy where we can see and rationally understand where something that happened in our lives at some point kind of affects and impacts the way we react today but sometimes we can't necessarily see it in action the same way even though we understand the concept of how it works so that's what i was hoping i guess for this was talking through some of the places and ways we see it show up in our lives and not and Mm. there's a lot of value i feel like in talking about what's not beginner's Mm. mind Mm. uh as well so this is one of those things that you can never really master i think Uh, i I think most people will tell you that in zen they talk a lot about you know you know you don't say you're enlightened right because you're, you're enlightening um, to be enlightened is really just when you're practicing that that's enlightenment. So it's an action. It's something that you do. It's something that you practice. And it just reminds me of, <laughs> I was a kayak uh, guide and instructor and you know, you're just your basic front stroke to move the kayak forward. People that are, have all the certifications in the world, master kayakers, uh, you know, they, they still say, I'm still working on my basic front stroke. You, know, you can never get it absolutely perfect. Always working on that. And I think that's this beginner's mind is definitely one of those types of ways of being something that you, you never arrive. Right. right. You might have moments where I, I did a good job with that. <laughs> Maybe a lot, if you're like me, a lot of moments were like, shit, <laughs> you know, <laughs> if I even catch it, right. <laughs> that I'm not right. doing that, which is probably most of the time. Uh, but yet to practice. So I I heard a description one time, and this might be a little outside a beginner's mind. It was more, 
I think about the idea of moving away from labeling, but my brain, at least if they didn't in the literature, uh, my brain tied it into beginner's mind. So maybe you can clarify that for us. But it was this idea of when we're not in beginner's mind, we drive or walk down the road and we say, oh, there's a tree, Hmm. you know, but more in a beginner's mind, if you actually go and look at a tree, like the parts of the tree look drastically different from each other. Like leaves don't look like roots, don't look like the trunk, don't look like the (laughs) twigs. Like these are all very different pieces. And I mean, if you looked at the inside and you looked under a microscope, it would be even more different pieces. And it's just this idea, instead of labeling and simplifying, like taking in the experience of the tree is more from a beginner's mind place. Am I off here? I could get so (laughs) zenny. My my, my teacher (laughs) when. Sometimes when we start going off on these fasts, I just, my teacher's voice is in my head. My teacher is a Shuzen Roshi from Soji Zen Center in Lansdowne, PA. Um, he's a great teacher. Uh, he's like, that sounds very zenny. <laughs> you know, but I'm going to say something zenny. You know, then uh, like Suzuki Roshi may say because I've heard him say things just like this, maybe about a bird or something else. That you, once you let go of the idea of tree uh, by dropping the label of tree. And everything that you think you know about tree, um, at some point when you free yourself enough, you realize that you are tree, mm-hmm. and tree is you. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got this beautiful, super mini little thing. People should look it up about a bird and a bird on your roof that's bothering you. And But then once you realize that you are the bird and the bird is in your heart, it's just so eloquent. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, by dropping that label, you can really lose your idea of yourself mm-hmm. as well. Super practical all the time? Maybe not. That's the thing. So we could be all off in zenny land, and that's wonderful. It's great. It's wonderful to see things from an ultimate reality type of side, if you can say that. At the same time, when I'm driving my car and I look back at my kid because they're doing something terrible back there or whatever, they just won't shut up. Screaming and stuff, and then I look, and maybe I've drifted over a couple feet across the white line, and I see tree. I want to know that's tree. Right. I'm going to label tree. Move my truck back onto the right. 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 You know. Hmm. Maybe maybe Zen worked better when there wasn't moving vehicles. (laughs) Like if you walked into a tree, that's not that big a deal. Or 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 oncoming person. I now realize I am tree. (laughs) I literally become tree. I am tree. Like in all senses. Tree and relatively and from the absolute perspective, I'm literally tree now. I am one with tree. You know, that's the thing. I think it's really important just to kind of look at a lot of these things without kind of absolutes or extremes like all my cards in one or all my things in one basket right or all my things in another idea basket right these are all just concepts nudge you and guide you and you know sometimes leaning more towards one concept is helpful and then sometimes you get kicked over to another concept and kind of just keep you moving and the the transient nature of everything and it's almost that's kind of the essence of buddhism is that everything is is changing and attaching to ideas to things to whatever as though it's not going to change i have this idea and this is the idea that works and i hold on to that really tightly that is, is going to cause suffering yeah yeah anything we cling to right and, and thinking of that not on either extreme middle path that jenny's always right. in here saying right like uh, one of the things that came up for me when you were just describing it and I was sitting here and I had to jot it down so I didn't forget it, but it's 
this idea of how people in my world throughout my lifetime experience have not showed up with beginner's mind and how that has impacted me highly negatively. Um, because I feel like, and I don't know if this is like, you know, in my DNA or, or maybe my childhood trauma, like this was what was championed in my house. So I got real good at it to get some, some feel goods from my parents. But, uh, I feel like I have a questioning mind, a very curious mind from the get go. And so I would go into situations where things were already solved, where there wasn't any problem to begin with. And I would still come up with ideas for how this could go better or how this could be different or how I would like it more. And when you come up to people who are like professionals or adults or anything and you have questions about the way they operate in the world they don't like that kindly because that's an attack on their ego and they're insecure and like that always ended up in more conflict and and problems for me where the lesson i got was like don't be this way because people don't like it and i'm like well but it's who the fuck i am like i don't know how to be different and and thankfully through my experience like some healing and i got into a place where this is like perfect for my life to be this way in my career so everybody loves it and that's wonderful but just thinking of how like the not beginner's mind can impact us you know when you go to a doctor and you have some ideas about what might be going on with you since you've been in your body the last 3 months feeling it but the doctor dismisses you right because they don't have that beginner's mind to be open to mm. just hearing what's going on yeah uh, what you're saying is very much resonating in a very powerful way with me right now because I'm relating to it a lot because of some things that are happening currently in my life, mm. um, which I should probably keep vague. Okay. No, that's <laughs> fair. Yeah. Be safe. Um, be safe about it. Is, but it's really about, it's not about the details of, you know, names and places and right. things like that. It's more about what's happening, you know, and. Um, Call them out, Dave. Let's get them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not yet. I mean, if not we yet. say any names, I'll just say fuck them because I like saying fuck them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, that. So I just kind of changed careers over the past year and a half. Um, so I, I have this tendency to change, you know, my surroundings and a lot of times my career. I was at one place for ten years, which is unheard of for me. Before that, it was four years was my longest, and before that, it was like two. Or not even before that, in between that. Um, How long so have you been I, married? I'm sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was just curious. I have been married eight years. Oh, man. Congratulations. Better have that right. Yes, eight years. <laughs> it is eight years. Sorry. I was just with your, uh, you were talking about the relationships with work, and I was like, ooh, is this like oh, no. universal across his life? Oh, no. My marriage is, is beautiful. That's it's awesome. People. I mean, now you're off, now I'm off on a different tangent, yeah, but sorry. no, but I, you know, I'm going to say this cool. just, you know, that I, you see all the, I see these old TikTok things in my company, social media, you got to work at your marriage and all this, you got to, it takes work and all that stuff. I, okay. I don't, just not taking that much work. It's just, it's just working really, really well. Um, so there's that. So marriage is great. Well, and sometimes um, when people say relationships take work, I, I think they're alluding to the work of remaining vulnerable and for people yeah. who are kind of on that journey already it doesn't seem like extra work it's just the work we're already doing to try to be these people in our life so. yeah well then some of us had uh just resisted and struggled for so long so damn hard <laughs> in every single direction that you know was not the best or, or oh did it at some point just get cracked wide open like an egg on the sidewalk and into all your glory of vulnerability and here i am and then fortunately for me a person came along that it's just just like fit 
just fits so perfectly and so just so fortunate you know if a zen priest came on the show and said their marriage wasn't pretty awesome and flowy and great like that i would question zen priests i would be like are they really that (laughs) this is a whole (laughs) podcast in itself so zen has zen has problems (laughs) of some people you know so just because somebody as somebody called ken wilbur who kind of mapped out a, a lot of things in psychology and spirituality and say sociology and culturally and he talks about these lines of development and how just because somebody has a very high level strong line of development in saying uh being able to see absolute side of reality or zen you know in zen practice or or anything doesn't mean that all the other lines of development sometimes people sacrifice other lines of development Mm -hmm. for to be that expert in that one thing and so that can happen with with zen and marriages you can have some of the highest regarded zen masters and some of them have done some pretty terrible things uh involving relationships so uh i can relate (laughs) (laughs) not to be a zen master uh just just to the relationship (laughs) yeah so those lines of development uh, it's important to recognize that because otherwise we put people on pedestals and and we expect them to not be human and that's one of the things the buddha said that i'm a i'm a man i'm a human i'm not a god i'm not a deity uh, I, i'm a human i'm a man and i think that's important to carry over into the people that we look at as teachers sponsors <laughs> they're fucking humans therapists just like nah. therapists <laughs> i'm one of those too yeah. i'm a sponsor i'm a therapist I'm a Zen priest. I am not a Zen master by any means. At the same time, um, when we look at these people as humans too, we can appreciate what they have to offer and we can learn from their deficiencies as well. Fathers, husbands, mothers, wives, the McDonald's drive-thru worker. Like maybe we should just have, be nicer and remember everybody's human. Like by being, having a beginner's mind too. Yeah. Uh, by not going in thinking, I know how this person should be in all areas of their life. Uh, they should be elevated two inches off the ground wherever they go, <laughs> and just flowers should be sprouting in their wake, and everything should be perfect. That's a problem within you if you think that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an attachment. And that, that's an easy attachment to have because people are literally put on pedestals. Right. Um, and so that's where beginner's mind is helpful and something that, Having this new career, you know, I started about a year and a half ago uh, as a social worker and psychotherapist. I was forced into a beginner's mind again, uh, in a sense. I mean, I could have come there and thought I know everything. And I, at this point in my life, I know that's not going to go over well. (laughs) (laughs) At the same time, it doesn't mean everybody else is going to be going in with those same intentions. And what happens when that, when people kind of prey on that? Right. What happens when your good intentions are seen as weaknesses by others? Then, then does the monster come out? Does the flood of all my preconceptions come out of all my other experiences and how to deal with things like that come out? Or do I do my best to reset into a, a beginner's mind again and be able to look at the big picture? Maybe people that are on the attack really don't know what they're doing, Maybe whether that's okay or not. Right. Right. What's going on with them? Do I need to control the situation? Suzuki Roshi in his book says that it's interesting. You want to have this 
beginner's mind. The book is called Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. But then towards the end, he talks about how you should be master of your environment, hmm. of every aspect of your environment. <laughs> so yeah. how do you do that? <laughs> but it speaks perfectly, actually, if you go through the whole book and you go for that journey. Uh, because to master your environment starts with mastering yourself and letting go. If I let go of trying to control everything, there's some mastery involved in that because I no longer am trying to control something I cannot. Mm. Therefore, in a sense, I have mastered my environment because I completely let go. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's kind of what I was thinking when you said uh, you can't master beginner's mind. I was like, well, that would defeat the purpose. Like, <laughs> the whole point is like kind of to remain in this pliable, unattached just sort of place, you know, what, 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 I don't remember who it was, but one of the guys said, uh, it's, it's an easy secret. I just don't mind what happens. And it's like, it really is that simple. If you just don't have an attachment to whatever the outcome is like, and, and I know like, yeah, that's a lot harder to actually live than it is to think, but it's that simple. Just don't mind what happens. There's a trend right now that that brings me to, you okay. know, in, in, on the internet where it's... Fuck it. <laughs> no, no, where it's a, uh, a wife. And the trend is that it's a wife um, saying, like, how she feels an anxious or things are problematic right now. I feel, like, anxious or bound up inside or whatever, blah, 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 these kind of negative, associated negative emotions. And, and, and she's like, but thank goodness my husband just, you know, took care of all that for me because he said, oh, just don't worry about it so right. much. <laughs> Like, thank goodness because of that i'm now fine <laughs> and i was like oh, i totally appreciate that yeah. i feel like the wife in that like a lot <laughs> you know that's funny and i guess another thing i was thinking when you were talking about like uh in response to my my zen priests not being okay in their marriage comment which was more for humor than anything but um it made me think that even in gaining a really deep intellectual or, or bodily experience of beginner's mind or of letting go of attaching to things doesn't necessarily also mean we have put in the effort or work to monitor and, and regulate our nervous system, right? Like different body parts operate. And so you were saying we might spend so much time in this one pursuit of, you know, knowing more or mastery that we kind of miss out on the other one. So maybe like an overdeveloped, you know, sense of, of, Zen understanding might mean that we also can't control our nervous system reaction to survival states and, you know, anger and depression. And that would be another place where I would think, yeah, that's great that this person knows so much, but they can't apply it all the time. Yeah. And going back to what Suzuki Roshi, you know, springs up time and time again in his talks in, in that book is returning to the breath. Mm. You know, we can have all these ideas and, and every, but this is all words. An attachment to words, I mean, it's not, uh, you know, you can't, can't drink the word water. You heard that <laughs> in the rooms, I'm sure, you know, uh, all the cliches that are so annoying, but so true at the same time. <laughs> yeah. um, one of these days I'm just going to, I have this idea and I'm going to, I shouldn't say it, I should just do it. 
too bad. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to go to a meeting and somebody's asked me to be the speaker and I'm literally going to get up for 25 minutes and just say clichés one after another. Oh, those people <laughs> definitely exist. People, I, I've heard them. Doing it intentionally oh, yeah. or doing oh, they get it lots unintentionally? Of claps and everything. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to try it then. You yeah. heard it here first. Got to go to more city meetings. You'll see it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but literally no like no like anything Sustance, in between. Literally just that. <laughs> drink the yeah, word water. Funny. Therapeutic value one adding up in it. You know just firing them anyway um, i have never heard you can't drink the word water oh you haven't <laughs> not in a meeting no no maybe that was that was a woody thing <laughs> that was a, the guy i was talking about woody oh uh, this guy was amazing just uh from the streets of baltimore uh really i suggest looking up woody curry c-u-r-r-y on youtube and he's got these real lo-fi talks like i was saying so glad somebody recorded him because i went to a thousand of his talks in person uh, he's deceased now. He died of cancer a few handful of years ago. Um, but just one of the, like from the streets of Baltimore, hardcore gangster. Went to Vietnam. Um, you know, combat in the early part of Vietnam. Being a door gunner, came back. Uh, heroin trade. Um, things I guess I'm not supposed to say on the internet, but it doesn't, I don't know if it matters now, but like, you know, back in the day, like police supplying him with heroin to sell on the streets, like, oh, gee, for real, ended up in a homeless shelter and then, uh, used his GI bill and his, uh, his VA benefits to to get like four or five master's degrees. And one of them was social work too, and became a therapist and took over the shelter and turned it into one of the most successful programs that there is in the world. I want to say the world, it's got an 80% success rate. (laughs) Yeah, uh, of course you have to stay there for two years to to complete the program. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah. So Woody had a lot of knowledge like that, and can't drink the word water. Which, but it's a really important thing to think about in a sense because we can really hold on to words. Beginner's mind, beginner's mind. You know what is it? Every rather than just kind of be it. Return to the breath because the breath is not a word; it's something you're doing all the time. The importance of that. We can get lost in that, especially as you progress in say. Recovery, or especially Zen, in my case, there can be so much attachment to the forms. There's a teaching in Buddhism about going to the other shore, and it's you're crossing this river, and you have this boat, and the boat is the vehicle to get you to the other shore. And it's in sutras. It's a really important kind of concept. And the other shore would be, you know, your enlightenment and enlightening, and um, it's where you where you're striving to go. Because yes. You do need to strive for it too. I know striving's bad, but you need to strive at the same time. So it's not always bad. Uh, bad is good and good is bad sometimes. Um, but what do you do when you reach the shore? Is you, you going to keep carrying the boat with you? Right now we're on land and we're carrying this boat. Um, and the boat can be the forms. It can be the words. Uh, it can be all those things that you really had to attach to and lean on and grab onto in the beginning. Necessary. But at some point, are you just grabbing onto that? Those are they just the boat now? And I'm on land, <laughs> this big ass rowboat, and it's weighing me down instead of freeing myself because I used it to get to where I need to go. And the boat is there. There'll be another stream. I'll get another boat. Fear of a lack of resources. <laughs> I, well, I was thinking of something I heard early in recovery, and I don't know if this, or and I still hear it now. I still use it now a lot, and I don't know if this. This beginner mind sound seems to me like it might be that idea that like I'm driving down the road in traffic and somebody cuts me off and I get all angry and, and mad, but then I sort of 
like remind myself like, oh, maybe they're not an asshole. Maybe they're mm-hmm. something happened to their wife or something. There's a family emergency and they're trying to get to where they need to go. So maybe they're doing this action for a reason, not yeah. just because I think they're an asshole. And when I can do that, you know, I free myself of that anxiety and that anger and resentment. And I can just let them go down the road and do whatever they're doing. That's so important. Yeah. For me, I'll just speak about my experience. For somebody like me, maybe it's the Marine in me. You know, I was in the Marines and warrior uh, culture and fight, 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 fight. You know, you're coming at me. I'm not freezing. I'm not running away. I'm running towards it. I still, I went in the Marines at 17, <laughs> brain still forming. That was never going away in me. And so that was so important for me to learn in early recovery and it's important for me to, for me to relearn every yeah. every damn day yeah, i still use it a lot <laughs> and at the same time what happens when that person just keeps cutting you off mm. and it's been like 20 times now and you got kids in the back well <laughs> are they just an asshole or <laughs> does it matter if they're an asshole or not you know now i've got to take action too so just maybe think of like the spectrum of that because some of these things are wonderful i mean they're all wonderful concepts but just to be attached to it in their purest form what happens when the rubber meets the road too right so what one of the things beginners minds remind me about in the rooms when you first get there and it's an old one right take the cotton out of your ears and put it in your mouth or whatever uh do you ever hear that one caroline (laughs) but i feel like i've only heard it people talking about people saying it i've never actually heard someone truly employing it we should like to you or, or in general, right? Like I well, That's their hear... way of saying it without feeling like the asshole that yeah. said it. That's yeah. That I, I always like, hear yeah. it in the context of like people used to say. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a good skill though. You know, somebody's right. not doing that instead of like, because people are more sensitive maybe now these yeah. days than maybe they were in the 80s or something, you know, so you can directly say it to somebody without directly saying it. <laughs> you know, people used to say this. <laughs> so I do this all the time too. Like in therapy, when I got to deliver particularly tough things that like, Hey, maybe that way you were feeling good about that you just corrected your child. Maybe it wasn't so healthy. Uh, I usually lead with, you know, my therapist told me when I was struggling with this. <laughs> because that way it's not on them. Like, it's this is what I'm doing in my life. This is where somebody had to help me so you don't have to feel bad if you need help with it. and Or if you don't want to do it, fuck it. That was for me, and that's what I'm doing. That's why a treatment team is great, too, for, like, certain, like, disciplinary things. Right. So, I mean, I work on a on a residential unit, and so... I can defer a lot of responsibility to the treatment team decision, which is great because I need to maintain this therapeutic relationship with somebody. And right. you're about to go on a behavior change plan, which is not, it's not a good thing. Right. It means you can't go do things and you're restricted. Now you're on restriction basically. And for me to be like talking about the deepest, most difficult things in your life, maybe you're hearing voices, you know, maybe you're abused. Maybe I just did a CPS call for the abuse you had as a child and you're, You've been holding on to this till you're, and you're 55 years old now, and you never told anybody, and you just told me, but you're also going on restriction. <laughs> you know? It was out of my control. I'm sorry. You defer responsibility. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we go meet with the treatment team. The treatment team's like, you need to go on restriction. Like, do you want to talk about that? Do you want to process that? <laughs> you know, rather than me. I don't even know how we got on that. So I, I know this wasn't like the message you hoped we got out of this. So I'm sorry in advance. But when you were talking about the Larry guy who was like a gangster and everything. Woody. Woody. Woody sorry. Uh, the Woody guy. So I was like over here and, and I was still like my beginner's mind thing. One of the other things moving away from labels. One of the first things people taught me about meditation was like, 
if you have an itch, experience the itch without having to label it itch, which I, it's still one of the most fascinating concepts to me because I don't think most people, and I surely didn't before that moment, I have never, ever, ever thought more about an itch. It's a fucking itch. I just scratch it. This is how it works, right? But to come with that beginner's mind of like, well, what is it like if I don't scratch it? How long can I tolerate it? What's the experience actually feel like in my body what's the sensation of what that is right and and so you were talking about woody and this gangster dude and i was like i was picturing him being really mindful in a moment of like experiencing heroin and he's like this drip is really bitter (laughs) i don't know why but that's where i that's what i got out of it he was known on the streets for a lot of those things you know but also having a stack of books along the wall from the floor to the ceiling and so the story is, of course, because this guy's larger than life. <laughs> you know, yeah. he would he would use and rather than using like be laying in the gutter, he'd be reading these incredible philosophy oh, books yeah. and <laughs> thing. But he sure talked like it was true. <laughs> you know, um, very special person and like a Yoda type person. <laughs> you He's know, the like Chuck Norris of Buddhism. <laughs> yeah. So, but th- this is the thing from people that come from experience, right? So we can. This is one of the things with the beginner's minds allows us to experience rather than. You may know this from therapy too. My the the goal should for me to to set up an environment, set up a situation or circumstances for the patient, client, whatever you want to call them, to figure out their own truths or to find their own way. If I just tell them that, then it doesn't sink in. I mean, there's lots of evidence that it doesn't really have long lasting effect. Um, now, of course, in the program, people tell you stuff, but how often do they tell you those things? <laughs> I mean, for years. I mean, I'm, I'm still getting told some of the same things because I still need to hear some of the same things because they're because I think that for as amazing as recovering addicts are, we're also can be very dense in some ways. Not so much dense, but like blocked, yeah. like fighters, right? We're like gonna fight it, you know, rather than accept it. I'm starting to look um, at that a little different, actually. Yeah, I'm starting to think like some trauma causes you to act in ways where you suppress feelings you feel depression you feel anxiety stuff like that but some other trauma is kind of so deep we form our personality traits around it and i think that's more of like personality disorders or at least some spectrum of having a flavor of that and i think those are a lot fucking tougher to change i don't know personality disorders yeah like or just some are some seem impossible to change exactly well that's and that's what how i'm picturing like maybe our struggles are more that than it is us just not getting this shit right or hearing that message well enough or enough time. You know what I mean? Like it's hard, man. It is. And I'm doing a lot of work still in IFS therapy, Mm -hmm. uh, internal family systems. And wow, that is, uh, I've got a a therapist who is also a Buddhist uh, teacher in his own right, not from Zen, from another tradition, which was important for me because Zen is like, this is how I see Zen. So any of the Zen folks out there that want to disagree with me, wonderful. I accept that, and I still love you. But to me, Zen is about truth, truth, truth. Truth first, and then compassion will come from the truth. Whereas, like Vipassana, my, I don't have a lot of experience in that, but from my listening to people that are involved in some of those other traditions, it's kind of like compassion leads, you know, and, and everything else comes. And we're kind of like, truth, and then that will make compassion happen. Um, it's just a different take because sometimes compassion is a stick. Like we've got a Kiyosaku stick in, in Zen and I will hit you with a stick. Of course, in America, you have to ask for Kindness it because we want to get sued. <laughs> it's a wooden stick. 
knew about this long, about as long as my arm, maybe. And in Japan, they they in a monastery they'll just beat you with it. You know, <laughs> you're not moving fast enough. They hit you with a stick. Compassion. I know this is Buddhism, the yeah. peaceful Buddhism. But it is a stick of compassion or the encouragement stick. Uh, but when you're sitting there staring at the floor for, you know, it's day four of a retreat where you're sitting there staring at the floor for the better part of 5:30 a.m. to 9 p.m. at night. You know. At some point, getting a hit with a stick in your shoulders is feel up here by your neck. It feels really good. It wakes you up. Right. <laughs> it's something. Right. It's something. something. The some sound kind of, of it can snap you out. Um, where are we going? IFS, though, has been really important for that because for those that don't know, aren't familiar with IFS, it's, it's just an amazing therapy. And maybe it's not for everyone. It's probably not every therapy is for everyone. And this one, certainly many people may have a lot of resistance to it because it does involve my experience with it involves me closing my eyes and I kind of, I call it going to this IFS space. Ah, just my, it's my word sometimes. for it. <laughs> right. But I close my eyes and I'm literally working with parts of my inner being in myself. And I go into this, uh, my therapist calls it a self energy. And that is kind of the ultimate in this beginner's mind, this don't know mind. Cause it doesn't, it's not that self energy is, is really no words, kind of no thinking. It's this consciousness. It's really the center of who you Intuition. are. Almost. Right. And, but it's not even that it doesn't know or doesn't, or has a beginner's mind. It doesn't need an expert mind or beginner's mind. It doesn't know or not know. It's none of those things. It's almost it, like it's just awareness. <laughs> yeah. And at least yeah, it, it's definitely that and everything in a sense. Right. Um, but then we have these parts that we've developed a lot of them from trauma and these protector parts, uh, which are oftentimes in, in relation to adversity or trauma. I use the word trauma very carefully now. I haven't been a trauma therapist for a year before this. Um, adversity is also another good word. Uh, so, and these protector parts are the ones that come in and pr- try to protect you and kind of might come in. For me, it comes in, kind of tries to own the situation, tell it like it is. This is how I see it. I here's why. This is how it is. Deal with it. And sometimes that works really, really well. <laughs> sometimes it doesn't, <laughs> you know. And so having these parts that have developed and, and, and learning to work with them and learning to care for them, you could do a whole six-series podcast on, on this stuff. I know. I keep wanting to find the right, like, quote-unquote expert. Yeah. That's, that's the tricky part. Interesting. I... I know some people. Okay, we'll, we'll talk. That might be because that would be. I was always sitting here wondering. I'm like, do me and Dave know enough about this to do an episode on IFS? We might, but I feel I can talk be from better. my experience. I've got right. two and a half years of experience in it. Mm-hmm. Like real, I would call deep experience in it. So, as a therapist too, I purposely chose not to read about it from mm-hmm. a therapist perspective. I just wanted to experience it full beginner's mind. Right, right. At, perfect example for me in beginner's mind. I even had some other therapist friends of mine be like, wow, that sounds really interesting. I want to know more about it. I asked my therapist for literature on it and just forward the email. <laughs> I did not open it. And I told him I'm not going to read it. I don't want to. I just want to. Because when am I going to have a chance to experience something from the patient right. perspective completely and fully like that? I think it is time I read up on it. Some <laughs> though. Uh, but that's the thing is this concept of beginner's mind could really attach to that concept. And that's no longer beginner's mind. Now I've got an idea of what beginner's mind is. In IFS, when you go in there and you're meeting the thinking parts of yourself, 
these personality parts that you have developed for various reasons, important reasons. You know, I've got a self-doubt part who's also my empathy part. Oh, she's difficult. I can get choked <laughs> up just thinking about her, right? Um, I've got a protector parts. They're, they tend to look like Marines in my head. You know, there's a big one and there's kind of a medium-sized one <laughs> and they do different things. And But when I start to have opinions, when I start to say how, this is how things are, um, when I start to ha- have this emotion and personality, that's no longer the true me. Right. That's a developed parts of me that I get to go in my mind and witness and, and show care for and be there for. But anytime I start telling them things, that's just another part coming in there. So that's kind of the ultimate to me right now, my development beginner's mind, because it's, it's free of the, the idea of beginner's mind. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I was thinking when you were talking about therapy stuff and beginner's mind that like I start early and, and I do this. I don't even know why I do this. People call me, like I've been told I'm contrary. That's actually the, the nicest way it's ever been said. You're, you're um, contrary. That's what I've heard. Argumentative. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just contrarious. Yeah. I the word? Come contrarian. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> I love that word. So yeah, I, I show up and people come in and it's like the first or second time they saw me and I'm like, oh, how's your week been? And, and they're like, oh, you know, well, uh, the dogs didn't mess on the floor this week, so that's good. And instantly, for some reason in me, my response is always, is it? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and I don't know why, but that's always my response. Like when people take things that, and they just say, so this is good or this is bad. And I'm always just like, but is it? Have we actually thought about this? And I'm sure people get annoyed as fuck by that frequently because it just seems like let's move on past this and get to the real substance of what I wanted to talk about. But I have had some interesting conversations about is this actually good or bad in your life? And what's the other pieces of it? And was it actually you who wanted that or some part of you that you know was formed in your childhood that mm-hmm. made you feel like you got validation? Or And it gets so deep, but it's all from that idea of like, let's just not assume we know. Let's just start there. Mm-hmm. Is it? Was it really? <laughs> we'll see. There's a Zen story. Uh, I just call it we'll see. Um, and it's a very important little one of those little Zen stories, you know, they're so like illustrative. And um, <laughs> for a while there, I, when I, I worked in education and I worked, I was a uh, head of a social emotional learning and restorative practices thing in this really unique uh, education program, a nonprofit called North Bay. And for a while there, I, I could just like speak in like Zen stories and cliches to my staff. <laughs> and they'd be like, this one person's like, I need to make a book of these things. Just, she's like, it's annoying as shit, but but they're so powerful. <laughs> anyway, so this story, I love the story. I, I'm I'm sure there's a written down version with the exact details, but the details don't really matter. So there is this kind of old man, I suppose. He's a father, and I'm kind of making my own details on it, but it doesn't matter. The, the, the heart of the story is still there. And uh, he has he falls down and, and hurts himself. Um, and somebody says, Oh no, that's too bad. You know, that's, that's terrible. You know, he's like, we'll see. Um, and because he hurt himself, he, he didn't, they came around to, to recruit people for war and it was just this terrible war and it wasn't good. And because he was hurt, he couldn't go to war. So it turned out to be a good thing. And then, uh, the story goes on and on all these examples and his son, you know, has a horse and they're like, Oh, that's wonderful. 
Uh, he's like, we'll see. And then, like, son falls off the horse and has a catastrophic injury, life-changing. And so it wasn't such a good thing. And, right. and you can put fill in your own examples there. But the, the, the moral of it was basically, we'll see. That's funny. Just like a we'll see attitude rather than, this is wonderful. All my dreams just came true. And, boy, you know, having been in grad school for three years with a family and working so hard, you know, to make some changes in your life and then you have to really be like we'll see mm -hmm. ever my i i do a, a kind of modern version of that with clients a lot to try to walk through that example of labeling things good and bad and it's like you know just the simple version is you got a flat tire so that was bad but then you got once you fixed it and got down the road there was a fatal big car accident that you avoided so then it was good that you got the flat tire but then you were late to your job interview and you ended up not getting the job so that was bad but then you got a better job that you never would have applied for two weeks later because yeah. you didn't get it so then it was good and it's like how many times can we flip back and forth about whether the flat tire was good or bad before we just decide that it didn't actually have a quality? It just was. Good is bad and bad is good. Right. Two sides of the same coin. So I have a question. So I, um, coming onto the show today, did not have any experience with this. Perfect. I you, you could have maybe Show guessed, us the way. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, so you I have think, the best beginner's mind here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think what... So... While the concept itself was foreign, as you explained it, it felt familiar. Sure. Um, and I can't pinpoint exactly what that is, but what I come back to is open-mindedness. Mm -hmm. So what is the difference between beginner's mind mm -hmm. and open-mindedness? Uh, the exact difference I can precisely point out right now is simply the words you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> beginner's mind. That's fair. <laughs> Really, I think the beginner's mind is the, the kind of the perfect way to have open-mindedness. And that's the point. Open-mindedness would say that beginner's mind was an interesting topic and they might be open to it. Beginner's <laughs> mind would say, what conversation? I really do like the Zen peacemaker uh, tenets, like approaching every situation with first don't know mind. I don't know mind. I'm just walking in here and I don't know. Even though I think I do, there's a whole bunch of parts right. inside of me that though they know, mm -hmm. they think they know, but I'm going to let go of that as best I can and don't know mind. How much more open, you know, that's really open to the experience and the everything. Um, and then just bearing witness is kind of a continuation of that. So not only am I going to walk in here with beginner's mind and open-mindedness, I'm going to do my best to maintain that for a period of time. Then I can take hopefully the best action. Well, in my experience in recovery, I think helped me with that concept a lot because when I came into recovery, they kind of told me like, yeah, like, you had mentioned earlier, like your best thinking got you here. You don't always know what you think you know. You don't even know what's best for you most of the time. So, you know, you need to get out of your own way and listen to other people and be open to ideas. And, and when I could look at the obvious wreckage in my life, it was like, yeah, maybe that's true. <laughs> you know, And that concept still can apply in my life today. 
you know, I can still see areas where I have problems and I don't always even recognize that they're problems, you know, so I don't even recognize that they need changed. Um, but by staying connected in recovery or around like people who are living spiritually, they can help kind of point out these areas. And if I'm really being humble and honest with myself, then I'll be willing to take a look and maybe do some work on it. Right. Because what do we really want in recovery? What's the point? It's not to not use chemicals and things. That's an important part of it, but that's not the point. Um, reminds me when I first became a formal student at my Zen center at my Sangha. And you have to do this thing called Tongario, where <laughs> it's an old tradition um, where for us in our level, we, we would sit there for, I think it's about nine hours and stare at the floor and meditate. Uh, you've got like a 30 minute lunch break, 20 minute lunch break in the middle there, but it's not like walking meditation to break it up. If you need to go to the bathroom, you go to the bathroom. I mean, it's not sadistic, right? <laughs> um, you know, if you are so cramped up, get up, stretch the cramp out, sit back down. Um, but that's the point you sit there and don't move the, as best you can. And it actually came from, um, monasteries where they would do that for like three or five days sitting outside you've seen fight club um we've seen fight club where they're standing outside the house to get in they're like get out of here you suck and they just gotta stand there that's totally stolen from zen um 100 literally at the monasteries that they would do that and they tell you you're not you're not good enough to be here you can't do this and just like destroy you <laughs> while you sit there and just like take it for three to five days snow rain like <laughs> terrible they might bring you some rice at night you know to show compassion um anyway and then so that after i did that and i'm raw I mean, you go through all the stages, like Machio, which is uh, like hallucinations and things happen. And you stare at one thing long enough, especially when there's candles around and incense burning and it's a wooden floor. Stare at that thing long enough. You're going to see some shit move, <laughs> at least. <laughs> you know, it's like seeing like Buddha's feet walking back and forth. And, like the floorboards like raised up like this. And you just like snap out of it. <sighs> drop them back down. <laughs> um, it's normal. It's a normal process because your mind is going to add information because it's looking for information. Uh, but on the other side of that is great clarity. Once your mind gives that up, like this need to be processing, oh, it's so crystal clear. At the same time, raw, super raw. And the teacher comes in and we talk for however long and asks me, why do I want to do this? And I don't, even, I didn't even think of, I just didn't know what to say. I was like, uh, to be a better person, I just, I just said words. Like I didn't mean it or I didn't know what to say. I'm raw as shit. I just like went on this huge journey. Floorboards are rising up around me. You know, there's like Buddha's feet pacing back and forth at times, you know, it's starting to look like a charcoal drawing that's moving. And then all of a sudden like everything gets clear and everything stops moving. And I have crystal clarity for like three of those hours and no more like seeing things, no more thinking, none of that stuff. Everything is clear. And now this guy's just going to come in and talk to me <laughs> anyway. So, and then he goes, well, it's not about that. It's about liberation. And I was like, of course it is. No shit. I'm in recovery. The reason I'm, I'm in recovery is not to stop doing certain things. It's for freedom. Same thing as liberation. That's why I chose Zen. It's to liberate myself. I was like, of course. I'm in recovery. I know it's about freedom. That's why we're doing this and that's one of the things beginner's mind and having that don't know mind offers us is freedom so as you're describing this there's a couple of things that are coming to mind for me areas where i maybe do this a little bit always could do it better 
areas where I maybe don't do it so well. And it's interesting because so what immediately came up for me was I think I'm relatively good at attempting this, not as much as I would like, but to a degree within my career. Um, I'm pretty good at, you know, coming into situations with humility and open mindedness, um, allowing myself to learn from other people kind of regardless of the level of experience I assume they're coming in with, right? Validating their experience as another person who has experience and can potentially teach me something. And I've always attributed that characteristic of myself at work as coming from recovery, principles that I've learned in recovery, open-mindedness, humility. But then what's funny is the flip side, when I think about where I'm probably haven't been good at doing this over the years, it's in recovery. Where I can so easily after, you know, a number of years in the program think, I know how this works. I know what this is. I don't need to take a fresh set of eyes to it. Right. So that and I'd say that I've gotten a little better with that. Actually, probably as a result of this podcast. Right. First listening and then now being on the show more. It has forced me to challenge some of those closed minded philosophies that I had or, or thoughts about the way recovery works. Um, but over the years, that is probably the area where, you know, I walk into a meeting and I think, I know this. I don't need to hear this again. I've heard this a hundred times. Um, there's nothing new to be gained. All of that kind of stuff is. So it's just so interesting that like the area that I attribute as having given me that in one area of my life is also the area where I probably am not doing it as well as I could be. You know, it, it, we should put this in the description of our podcast, a beginner's mind take on recovery. I feel like that's kind of somewhere where we're coming from. Like this idea of exploring things we thought we knew at a different level or different angle. Maybe it's not quite beginner's mind around it, but it's definitely moving in that direction from, from where I've been in my life around recovery what was it supposed to be i don't know recovery sort of <laughs> that i guess yeah. so right i mean that's the thing with recovery is that that is our lives you know zen practices my life um, so just keep an eye on time i did want to give this other one little piece and i know you want to do a, an experience for us so i'm i'm don't want to sure. miss out on that I, I thought earlier on while you were talking like why do people want to have beginner's mind and one of the things that came up for me would be going into relationships or into any new job or into any new experience, I'm going to have these old ways inside of me, right? Maybe it's from the ways my parents interacted with me. Maybe it's from the relationship my parents modeled for me, but that's going to feel comfortable for me only because it's familiar, right? And I don't know that going in, but now that I'm made aware of that, I can go in and actually evaluate a situation. So uh, just a real quick take, like one of the ones for me, if people, if I like told someone I was upset with something they were doing or that I couldn't tolerate that and we had to end the relationship, like if you didn't completely lose your mind and try to get back with me and, and yell at me and scream at me and shit like this, you didn't love me. And so like if I'm going in that without a beginner's mind, I'm just going to keep seeking that same maybe not so healthy relationship for me. Whereas if I can get in a relationship and have a beginner's mind like, oh, they're not freaking out, but but they're also here and comforting me. That's interesting. It's new. Like maybe I actually like some other things better, but I've never even been open to the experience because I'm lacking that beginner's mind. So might be a good reason why we might want to 
to, to use this in our life. Right. And, you know, you, from an IFS perspective, you'd be, the way I describe it, you'd be wearing whatever that part is. Right. You'd be wearing that like a overall suit. Yeah, you'd right? be aligned with it. Zipped up and not yeah. even realizing while you're wearing it. You know, you could be like, that. that's what beginner's mind does is it allows us to have the awareness. And without awareness, I, I say this in my groups a lot, um, it's kind of like wearing a fur coat back on the block in Baltimore with a hot in the summer, the hot tarmac around you and the buildings keeping that heat in, no, you know, and not knowing why you feel like shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like shit. Why do I feel like shit? Right. You know, and I'm like looking everywhere else. I'm thinking I know. I just need to go whatever, do something to feel but but really all I need to do is like look down. Holy shit, I'm wearing like a fur coat. <laughs> but now I know. Now I can decide whether I want to keep it on or I can take it off and cool down. Right. That's better. Or maybe it's only safe to unbutton it right now. Right. At least something. Yeah. So um, let's uh, let's do your your thing you wanted to do. Okay. So this activity, uh, it's uh, I love doing this. It illustrates this. Well, let's just do it, and we'll see what yeah. it illustrates. So, um, two people. Do you guys want to do it? Sure. Yeah. Right. You you have to face each other, more or less. I mean, however you can work with the mics and face <laughs> each other. Yeah, like three quarters is fine. <laughs> great, great. So what we're going to do is, this is called space, space counting. Space. Okay. Space counting, 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 space counting. Space counting. It needs echoes when you yeah. talk about space. So, Get that in the edit. <laughs> what we're going to do is we'll do a practice round first, where you guys are going to draw one through ten in the air. So one, two, three in the air, and you're going to race each other. Okay? Now, it's up to you to be honest. Okay, so if you mess up a number, erase it and draw it again. Okay, oh, and <laughs> and as soon as soon as you're done, raise your hand and we'll see who gets there first. All right, I'm gonna say when I say go, you're gonna go. So you're gonna draw it in the air. He's got an advantage. Okay, my, ready? My right hand. <laughs> go. Okay, somebody won. Hopefully everybody was honest. All right, that's just practice. That's just practice. So uh, I want to make sure I describe this well for people that aren't watching this okay. uh, on a screen. So they were drawing in the air, drawing the numbers in the air. They're facing each other now. Now what? I need somebody to volunteer to go first. I'll go first. Okay. Uh, you're really going to go at the same time, but you're going to kind of lead it. That's a better way to put it. So what Billy's going to do is Billy is going to draw in the air slowly, pretty big, you know, be forgiving, make it big, numbers, and you're going to count to 10. Nice and easy and slow. What you're going to do is you're going to do the same thing he's doing, but you're going to do it the way he's doing it. So it's going to look different than what you're used to. Mm-hmm. All right, let's try that. Let's see how easy this is. And just right. go one to 10? Yep, go just one like to 10. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Jason just kind of doing his two backwards now, or trying to do it backwards. So Billy is drawing nice numbers in the air. Jason's trying to follow along. It's going kind of okay. No, do it at the same time. Same time. Same exact time. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, a little harder. <laughs> oh, he's erasing it in the air. Doing the same exact time. Okay. How was that? It's hard. <laughs> yeah, what's hard about it? Uh, trying to know what he's going to do next if I'm doing it at the same time. Why do you have to know what he's doing next to do it? To, to follow at the exact same time seems impossible. Why? What's impossible about it? What 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 was what stumbling blocks did you have? What happened when you were trying to do that? My my finger wanted to make the number the way I always make the number. Oh. But Billy makes his numbers different. 
He okay. doesn't put a little circle squiggly at the bottom of his two. There's no slash across his seven. I'm like, ah. His okay. fucking eight with the two bubbles. I'm like, you monster. <laughs> oh, really? He does that? Yeah. Oh, like, man. Two circles. Ju- judgments are flying. Right? Right. Uh, Sideways <laughs> infinity symbol, Billy. Jesus. But really, all you have to do is put your finger in the air across from his finger and follow his f- follow the motions that he's doing. What do you think it would have taken you mentally just to be able to do that with, with ease? Because if I go like this, if I just do a zigzag in the air and you don't, I don't tell you what I'm doing, mm-hmm. it's going to be pretty easy, I think. I, I think, I think one, I knew we were operating with numbers. So okay. if he was just making random symbols in the air, I probably would have been more free to just follow. Okay. So you knew something. Thinking. Right. right. Um, I think the environment does not help right now because I got this microphone kind of in the way of my right arm. And so I'm like, I couldn't just be across from him and i didn't feel like i could do it left-handed because i know i'm right-handed right okay. so so you know you all know. these yeah, yeah 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 all these judgments <laughs> that i'm coming up with for you um i think that was the main pieces of it well, those are pretty main pieces yeah uh, so how can this you know how does this apply to our lives right right all the things i come in with that i don't even i'm not even aware of like i wasn't aware that knowing we were operating with numbers was going to impact my ability to follow it you didn't you know, know that I mean? people made eights with two circles. I, <laughs> I knew some people did. I just knew what I thought about them. <laughs> I just knew that their age group that's, usually you know, is. Like, right, to right, to me, that's like about relationships. You know what I mean? Like I think people generally come into relationships with the information that I have already. Right. You know what I mean? And a lot of times they're coming from a right. completely different place on what mm-hmm. they think employee, friend, sponsor, husband, what those things mean. Right. And just an assumption that we mean the same thing. No, that's really, really good because I think that's hugely important. I, I constantly, and even with the awareness I do it, I still <laughs> yeah. fall into the trap of making my experience generalized to everyone, mm. right? Like, oh, they'll definitely feel this if I do this. No, they, they might fucking not. They might not give a shit at all if I do that. One of my favorite sayings, and this is exactly the opposite of, of you know, beginner's mind, <laughs> is like, why do so many people lack common sense? Like, because I think common sense is exactly the way that I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I think everyone should have that. Everyone should just think the way I think. Common well, sense is an uncommon virtue. Yeah. Well, and the problem with common sense is, is that it comes from a standpoint of like, why don't they know that this is better? And we don't know all the surrounding circumstances in their life that might make something else better if we were in that too. And that's the point we don't like the McDonald's work in the drive through we talked about, right? Like I'm not picturing what stresses are going on in their life, how awful it is to work for minimum wage, how much it sucks to be treated by shitty people who mm, don't care about McDonald's workers. Like Gosh. I'm not in that situation. So I don't know what the fuck is best for them. Like I might scream at a fucking customer too. You know what I mean? So it's just having that, bigger awareness of like everybody's got their own shit they're not thinking like me they're not in the state i'm in they're they not draw having eights a good with... day right they fucking draw eights with two zeros like, what the <laughs> hell? but even making those excuses like i still i don't give space for me to be the one that's wrong a lot mm. of times i give a lot of space for them to be wrong i don't give a lot of space for myself to be the one that's got it wrong you mm. know what i mean like it's I'll make excuses for why they act the way they do, but it's like, oh, maybe my expectations are wrong or maybe my understanding of what I think they should do is wrong. Yeah, but we uh, we do have time-wise have to get out of here and, and wrap up, Dave. But, man, it has been a pleasure having you on, talking about Beginner's Mind. Uh, I guess go out there this week and don't think. Like, is that <laughs> <laughs> Just go out there this week. Or don't. <laughs> 
practice. Try to keep your tank full. There you go. Because I know for me, when I my tank gets low, this is how I visualize it. And then it gets a lot harder to have that tolerance in that beginner's mind, and mm. and it's going to be hard and it's challenging. And don't judge yourself too much when you mess it up. Awesome. All right, everybody. <laughs> have a good week. Did you like this episode? Share it with people you think might get something out of it. Check out the rest of our episodes at recoverysortof.com. Also, while you're there, you can find ways to link up with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, anything. We're always looking for new ideas. Got an idea you want us to look into? Reach out to us. <laughs>